It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. We kick off the last week of summer. Actually, we really kind of think of fall as kicking off on uh, Labor Day earlier this month, but it officially begins Wednesday, so we really have just the last couple days of summer, but we got a great show in store today to kick off the week. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, um, this is a fascinating story. As newlyweds Deanne Birch and her husband Ernest, aka Tiger Birch, were two different people with very different expectations. Tiger thought he could take his 23-year-old bride to a remote Eskimo village and that she would instinctively adapt to a completely foreign way of life. Deanne naively thought love would conquer all. The couple's time in Alaska was short-lived but profoundly impactful. It stole Deanne's innocence and stripped her of any hope of having a fairy tale ending. Tiger would say what happened to them was bad luck. Deanne calls it destiny. In a new book, a memoir called Journey Through Fire and Ice, Shattered Dreams Above the Arctic Circle, um, written by Deanne Birch, and she's my guest during the third half of our three-hour tour. But before... Uh, 
before we get to that, in the second hour, we're going to talk with um, the author of a new book called Pet Nation. Mark Cushing is the um, founding partner and CEO of the Animal Policy Group and a Stanford Honors graduate. He is the leading uh, advocate in the pet healthcare space and lectures at law schools and veterinary schools across America. His book, uh, Pet Nation, is the inside story of how companion animals are transforming our homes, culture, and economy. Mark L. Cushing is his name. But during the uh, first hour, this is a, a fun conversation. Uh, it took place uh, last week, but uh, I haven't had a chance to air it yet. From the um, Rick Riordan Presents imprint is a new uh, first-time novelist, although this is the first, I believe, in a series um, from uh, author Lori M. Lee, and it's called Pahua and the Soul Stealer. And um, again, I think it's... Uh, I think it's the first in the series, and uh, we'll find out about that and a lot more um, when we talk with uh, Lori coming up in about three minutes or so. In the meantime, uh, we do have some real interesting shows coming up this week. Oh, by the way, tomorrow, be sure and tune in. We have a Flint-based author, Connor Coyne will be joining us uh, to talk about the third installment in his Urban Tasm series, um, a series of novels, this one called The Darkest Road. And um, East Village uh, magazine reviewer Robert Thomas uh, referred to it as an often gripping evocation of the throes of a struggling city is a magical teen noir serial novel inspired by life in 1990s Flint, Michigan. Connor Coyne will be guesting tomorrow. Connor's been on the show before, but it's been quite a while. In fact, it's been quite a while since we've done a lot of things. I, I was in the process of trying to schedule a, a remote for uh, Armchair Politics this week, and it didn't come together, but I... Uh, I, I am trying to get us uh, back out and, and figure out what our new normal might be. Perhaps we'll uh, start out taking armchair politics to hell next month. And I'm trying to decide, and, and maybe you can let me know if you're, if you're listening and you want to drop me a note on Facebook or at the website at TomSumnerProgram.com um, of whether to do... Uh, schlocktober for the whole month of uh, october or or just maybe the week of halloween i don't know let me know what you think you want to hear a different uh, horrible song every day for a month or do you think it would be better to do it just for a week let me know what you think about that and uh, and some other things I, you know a lot of things have changed during the pandemic and some of the places i might have thought to take the show out to do a remote um aren't there or are operating so differently that it wouldn't accommodate what we're doing. But I'm going to try and figure that out. I think uh, this fall, if the 
fourth surge, as they're calling it, is not too terribly bad. Um, we, we might get the show out on the road this fall. But we'll, we'll see. It may be next summer before we can do any of that. But I'll let you know as those things come up. In the meantime, we've got some great interviews and some great conversations coming up this week. And, in fact, today. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll uh, kick it off with... Um, Pahua and the Soul Stealer from Lori M. Lee. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. The newly created Disney Hyperion imprint Rick Riordan Presents is designed to elevate the diversity of mythologies from around the world through the voice of the best storytellers for middle-grade readers. And, of course, Rick Riordan Presents is no stranger to listeners of the Tom Sumner Program. We've had several on, and there is uh, a new one in the uh, in the corral, if you will, um, the author of a, uh, a new book, it's called Pahua and the Soul Stealer, a new middle grade novel uh, that focuses on the story of Pahua, an 11-year-old Hmong girl who discovers she's a powerful shaman warrior in this fantasy inspired by Southeast Asian mythology from Lori Lee, who joins me by phone. Hi, Lori. Welcome to the show. Um, thanks so much for having me. Now, I was reading something about this. Uh, this is the first in a series? Correct. Yes. And did you know when you started the book that it was going to be a series? I always wonder if writers get to the end of the book and go, <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> um, I feel like it happens both ways. There's definitely, you know, you write a book, you intend for it to be a standalone, and then you get to the end and you realize you don't want to leave the world, or you just wrote a lot more plot than you intended to. Um, with with Pahua, I I always wanted it to be a series. I hoped it would be a series. Um, but I wrote the first book um, to be able to stand alone, um, just in case that didn't happen. But fortunately, we will get a couple more books. Uh, so you, you are planning a trilogy, but it sounds like it's possible it may go beyond that. It is a planned trilogy. If there's more, um, that would be really cool. There's definitely a lot of things in the world that I would love to explore, so I will definitely not uh, not limit myself there. <laughs> is the mythology of Southeast Asia different than other regions around the world, or do all the regions of the world have variations of of many of the same tales. Do you know what I mean by that? I didn't ask it very well. <laughs> well, I feel like there's definitely some similarities, some very interesting similarities. I feel like that um, run through a lot of mythologies in the world. And it's like fascinating because these cultures, you know, um, supposedly uh, developed independent of each other. You know, like, so... Like, like, for example, the concept of dragons, <laughs> like, that's such a common uh, mythological creature that's present in almost every single culture across the world. 
so I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, with South, Southeast Asian mythology in particular, um, that, that, that encompasses such a, like, a wide range of cultures, like, you know, Thai, or, I, was, I was just about to say Taiwan, that's not what I meant to say, I meant to say Vietnam. Um, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, um, you know, the Philippines, Malaysia, that's just a huge, um, a huge range of different cultures and beliefs. So you can't really say, you know, that they're all they're all the same because it's not a monolith. But um, Hmong culture in particular is interesting in that we are a um, minority within the Southeast Asia in southern China um, and, and now the world um, because I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Hmong mythology is just... The culture developed in a way that it integrated various aspects from the local, um, the local culture, the local, uh, you know, um, whatever country it was where they settled. Um, they were original. I say they. We we were originally um, from south southern China and we're a mountain people, so we live high in the mountains and typically in remote areas, um, and then. For various reasons, the Hmong um, began to migrate south into Southeast Asia. And, you know, as we migrated, we picked up different customs from, you know, the countries that we um, settled into. And because, you know, we lived in remote areas, it was a lot of these uh, pockets of um, Hmong settlements sort of just developed with their own trajectory. So... Um, Hmong village in southern China would probably have very different customs and dialects and, you know, the food and everything compared to a Hmong village in uh, Laos. You know, so even within the Hmong culture, there's a lot of variation. How did you get connected with the Rick Riordan Presents brand? Did they find you or did you find them? So I found them. Um, Rick Riordan presents when it was first announced, I just, I was absolutely in love with the idea and I thought I want to write for that imprint. Um, at the time I didn't write middle grade fiction. I only wrote, uh, young adults, which is just a slightly older audience. Um, and so I, I sort of just put it on the back burner and thought if I ever write a middle grade, I would want to write for that imprint. Um, and then I got the idea for Bahua, and it came to me as a middle grade, and I couldn't think of it as any other way. It had to be a middle grade to embrace that sort of uh, level of adventure and humor. What? So I told... Go oh, ahead. sorry. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so I told my agent, you know, that um, when I was writing it, that my dream imprint for this would be Rick Ryden Presents. Um, and she was, like, totally on board. You know, we put together the proposal, and we did all that stuff. We submitted it, and, you know, fortunately, they loved it. Well, and Rick Riordan uh, himself mentioned uh, how much he loved the uh, humor yeah. <laughs> in your in your writing. More with author Lori Lee straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places. So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions and you know the material and you, and you care about it and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author Lori Lee straight ahead. Where does your sense of humor come from? You know, <laughs> um, I feel like there's a lot more humor in this book than in my previous other ones, and I, I do think that has to do with the um, age level. Um, humor is sort of how I deal with my own issues in real life, so that does tend to bleed a bit into my writing. I have something of a gallows humor. <laughs> um, <laughs> although although with Pahua, I definitely embraced a more lighthearted and sillier type of humor, which I like to refer to as my dad jokes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> humor. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> Well, and the reason that I that I wanted to know about, you know, where your sense of humor comes from, you can't just decide from one book to the next. Oh, I, this one, I'm, I'm, it's going to be this one's going to be funny. We're going <laughs> to have humor in this one. And you can't just all of a sudden turn that on. You know, <laughs> you have to have yeah, it already yeah. built in. Um, how significant is the difference um, in terms of writing, uh, plot lines, and character development from young adult to middle grade? Is there a significant difference? Um, do, you, do you have to change a lot about how you approach uh, story and character? Not really. A lot of it, like a lot of the structure, is the same. I'm very, a, I'm a very meticulous outliner. So what I what that just means is that I like I ha- I break down the story according to story acts like act one act two act three that sounds boring but I promise it's not um, and then you know I I break it down further into scenes and I outline everything my outlines tend to be like fifty upwards of fifty pages before I even put words down for the actual book and I do that with every book I write um, including the middle grade. Um, so approaching how I wanted to write it was similar. However, I feel like the most challenging part was the voice. Um, and the voice of a book is really like, I guess it's heart and soul, it's character. Um, it's how you relate to the reader. So my, I feel like my natural writing voice is more young adult, the slightly older audience, um, so what I did was I just listened to uh, middle grade audiobooks, like on nothing but middle grade audiobooks for like over a month straight <laughs> until that voice really uh, penetrated, I guess, my head, and I could, and I got, uh, I got really good at um, writing in that type of voice. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, it have, does. I, I had to I, train I... myself to do that. I I hadn't really thought about it in terms of two different voices, and and by altering the voice a little bit, you you change virtually everything. Um, yeah. You know, I I was coming at it from the other way, and and voice makes a lot more sense if you can if you can adjust your voice everything else falls into place, much like the way the story hangs around your outline. I'm fascinated by that, and I always ask writers if they do outlines or, you know, if if they just sit down and and start 
binge writing and and, and the story <laughs> kind of tells itself you know as it rolls out but um you say you're a pretty fastidious uh, outliner does that yep. does that make the writing easier to manage like like from a scheduling standpoint for example can you sit down at a certain time every day and just knock out so many pages because you're you're so well outlined ahead of time yes absolutely i learned from my very first experience drafting a book that i am absolutely not one of those who can just sit down and like spit out words <laughs> without an outline i hugely admire authors who can do that because they have that narrative structure like in their head and they don't need to have it all laid out in front of them. I am not that kind of writer. Um, so I definitely need the outline. It, once I have a book fully outlined, I can spit out the words then um, pretty quickly. I can usually draft a, a book within a month um, once I have that outline, because then, you know, I know what I'm doing. And on days when maybe the words aren't coming as easily, I can just look at my outline and know what I need to get down that day. And usually when I come back to it the next day, it's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> now, how, um, in, in, in this story, um, uh, the book again is called Pahua and the Soul Stealer. Um, Pahua is 11 years old and discovers she's a powerful shaman warrior. How does an 11-year-old take that revelation? <laughs> <laughs> well, Pahua is, I guess, a reluctant hero, um, as I imagine many 11-year-olds would be. Um, I probably wouldn't have been, actually. I, wanted, I totally wanted to go on an adventure. Um, but yeah, so what's the reluctant kind? She actually doesn't even think of herself as a hero. She's, she's always felt like an outsider, um, not just because of how she looks, but because of this gift she has to see spirits. And, and so she's a bit awkward, introverted, and she's never quite fit in at school. Um, and so this, the way that she copes with that is, is by imagining that she's someone else, someone whose differences wouldn't set her apart in a way that makes her feel, quote-unquote, less than. Uh, she pretends she's a superhero, or she pretends she's a secret agent or a warrior on a quest. Um, and this becomes her shield. But even though she has these wild imaginings about being different in all these extraordinary and often magical ways, she also really just wants to find somewhere where she belongs. Um which I think is something that a lot of kids can relate to. But, but then her brother goes missing, and she doesn't really have any choice. So she goes on this journey, and she discovers, you know, different... That being a hero doesn't, doesn't always mean, you know, charging into battle with your sword drawn. Now, Pahua is described as an 11-year-old Hmong girl. And and what does that mean, really? What does it mean to be Hmong? Um, that's a really heavy question. <laughs> I feel like it's different for every single person. We're all so individual. Um, like, Pahua, she's sort of figuring out where she belongs. I think that's her, that's the heart of her journey in the story. 
Um, the Hmong community is very tight-knit, but in the book, um, her mom has removed them from the Hmong community, so she doesn't have that um, sort of support. Um, just her and her brother but most you, of the time. But you mentioned that, that the Hmong are um, a minority even throughout Southeast Asia. Yes. Um, is it yep. is it a, a faith, a culture, a region? What what is uh, it exactly? Um, it is its own sort of culture. It is its own culture. We have we have our customs and a language and you know, uh, I guess um, beliefs that are uh, unique to us. Even though you know many of those beliefs and customs are um, often altered or changed according to, you know, the region. Um, yeah, so we are our own ethnic group. Now, the book is inspired by Southeast Asian mythology. Are there um, elements from that mythology that, that make their way into the book? What what are some of the uh, ways that, that Southeastern... Uh, Asian mythology makes its way into Pahua's story. So in traditional Hmong culture, um, Hmong, the Hmong religion is based largely in animism. Um, and that is the belief that everything has a spirit, from animals to nature to even certain inanimate objects like um, gardening house spirits. Um, so, like, when a person falls ill, it can often be believed that, uh, the person either had contact with an evil spirit or their spirit has gone missing, and in those cases, you know, a shaman would need to be called to perform a ritual to either retrieve the spirit or go into the spirit realm and to find it, um, and so this actually became the basis the premise for Pahua, uh, her brother, or she accidentally unleashes a, a ghost from a bridge, and the bridge spirit steals her brother's soul into the spirit realm, and so Pahua has to, you know, go after it and save save her brother. And then you'll also see a lot of, like, um, creatures from Hmong mythology in there as well, like the demons, they're called Pundong, which in Hmong culture is actually a very... Uh, scary creature, actually. They are often spoken, you know, told stories of in a way that you are absolutely terrified of them um, because they're usually portrayed um, as women. I'm not sure why, but it's, always, it's almost always women. Like, the long, string black hair. Like, you could probably, like, okay, imagine the girl from The Ring, essentially that, but, like, <laughs> sometimes in fact, in some stories, like, you know, she's fur covered, sometimes she's not. Um, they have backwards feet, their eyes are vertical instead of horizontal, and they're just like, um, you know, there's just these creatures that you're absolutely terrified of as a kid. So I put them in the book as demons, but I made them in, I made them humorous in a way that would not absolutely terrify, you know, young readers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was nice. Um when you're creating a fantasy story like this, um, how much freedom do you have to create the world the characters find themselves in? Um, 
I would say pretty, pretty uh, much I did whatever I wanted to do. Um, uh, with Rick going and present, it's not like they told me, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. Basically, they just wanted to see what my vision was for this world and this character, and then they, you know, they told me whether they liked it or not, essentially. Um, I, I wanted to create my own version of the spirit realm, which is where, uh, which in one culture is called Dape, and like it's basically just where you go after that, and also um, the home to all these different spirits, and that absolutely fascinates me from like an authorial standpoint. So I wanted to create my own version of it, and luckily they were very cool with that. And now that. Uh that Poa knows that she is uh, a shaman warrior, or does she actually know that she is? <laughs> she finds out she is, and then she's very skeptical of it throughout most of the book. <laughs> but now, does that does that obligate her to certain tasks that must be performed? Um, no, I think she learns about it. She's skeptical about it. But what drives her is just wanting to save her brother. Um, and I, like, um, the, the friend who she meets throughout the book, her name is Zhang, and she's actually a shaman warrior in training. And there's just a lot of like, um, tension between the two in the, in the beginning because, you know, Zhang is this girl who's been training for this like, you know, almost her whole young life, and whereas Pohua has not, and suddenly she's supposed to be this great shaman warrior without having done any training. And so there's some uh, tension between the two because of that, but Pohua doesn't, um, she's just very skeptical of it because she's always been such an outcast. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and so what drives her isn't any sort of obligation to this uh, position or this title or whatever that someone has told her she is. She doesn't believe that. She just wants to save her brother. You said that um, at, at one point that you wanted to write about a female friendship that wasn't based on competition but rather yeah. support and love. And And I guess that raises two questions sort of do you believe that that most female friendships are competitive and and were you able mm -hmm. to successfully counter that with the relationship between Pahua and Zong? Okay. So, to answer your first question, no, I don't. Actually, I don't believe a lot of female friendships are based on competition and my issue with that was that I was reading a lot of books where it was portrayed that way. Is that, that something, is, is, has that become kind of a writer's device to create additional tension? I feel like, I feel like yes. Because a lot of like the, um, the books that I was reading at that time, um, it had these supposedly amazing, like best friends, but then the best, the friendship would fall apart for like just really petty and, you know, inconsequential reasons. And it drove me absolutely bananas. And I feel like part of that, though, is wanting to take the character away from um, that support system, that emotional support system that they've always had, and like throwing them into something new, which makes sense 
you know, from a craft point of view, but also it just drove me bananas from a reader's standpoint. Um, so I wanted to write books where that didn't happen, where um, there's definitely, you know, where the friendship uh, should be tested, should and can be tested, and um, the, but the two should be a foil and a complement to one another. Because even as all these conflicts arise that strain this friendship, um, ultimately, I wanted them to choose each other and their common goal versus, you know, whatever personal fears and issues they might have. Did you have to do uh, any research for this book to, to fill in gaps as you explored shaman warriors and, and other aspects that found their way into the story? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I pulled from the um, stories that my brother and my mom told me as a kid. Um, But also it just wasn't enough to really build a a whole new world for a book. I'm sorry. Um, So what I did was, uh, as I was listening to that month-long middle grade audiobook marathon (laughs) (laughs) i i went to my local library which i'm very fortunate has a section devoted entirely to Hmong culture and Hmong history because we have a sizable Hmong population where i'm from so i'm just i was just very lucky that our local library um, happens to have that um and i checked out several books of um that were um uh what's the word It it just compiled like uh, monk folk tales that someone had told them and they um, bound it into an actual book because, you know, our tradition of storytelling is oral, so it had never really been written down before. So I was very fortunate that these things, that these books even existed. Yeah. And they were like, they were actually, they're like decades old. They were published in like the 70s, 80s. Um, so any hope of getting contact or getting to contact with the editors or the person who had told it was like basically very very unlikely um but and these are like all out of print as well so i was very very fortunate that these that the library had these books um but they were they were like essential to my research i basically just read through them i uh, marked down everything that i found interesting um that sparked ideas um, a lot of, of the magical elements in the book uh, were pulled from these stories that I read, which were absolutely so fascinating. Like, for example, there's an eagle. One tale has an eagle, a stone eagle with, like, nine different tongues, each a different color. And when it, when it calls with a different tongue, it turns a person into stone. So I thought that was just so interesting. And I had to put that into the book. How long did it take to... Uh research outline and and write this book um the initial idea came to me probably i I think i just looked at it the other day so it was around in november of 2018 um and i researched and listened to audiobooks all through uh at the end of the year um into january which is when i started to outline um, then I spent the month of January outlining. I began writing, I believe, in February. And this, I had actually so much fun writing this book. 
that I just blew through it. I think I wrote my first draft in like three weeks, which is the fastest I've ever written a book. Wow. Um, it is fast. But it was a terrible first draft, it, it, but still, it was a full book. <laughs> um, and then after that, I sent, you know, partial pages to my agent who uh, liked it. And so I polished those up. And then I spent the next month just working on, like, the um, proposal for Rewriting Presents. Um, and while that was out, I started working on, you know, the rest of the book. And it went from, I think it was about one year from when I started researching to when Rewriting Presents offered on the book. Well, and then after that, there was more editing, more editing to be done. So it wasn't finished yet, but... Well, that's that's great. Um, now, what's what's next for Pahua and for Lori, for that matter? <laughs> um, well, for Pahua specifically, she has to face uh, the consequences of what happens in the first book. Um, she's got a lot of venturing and self discovery ahead of her, so hopefully, readers will want to go on that journey with her. Um, and as for me, I have the third book in my young adult uh, trilogy releasing next year. Mm. Um, no title yet, but the first book for that YA series is Forced of Souls, and the sequel to that is Broken Web, which came out in June, and then the third one will be out next year, and that's my next immediate project. Uh-huh. The, um, now with the, uh, well, I, we're we're almost out of time. I'm having so much fun talking with you, Lori, that <laughs> I feel like we could go on for an hour. But um but let me do this because I, I I do this with every guest on the show. I give them an opportunity to let listeners know um where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present and future. Do you have a website, Lori? I do, and it is just lorimlee.com. Well, that's easy. Even I can remember that. Yeah. Um, well, Lori, thanks so much for spending this time with me this morning. It's uh, It's been a real pleasure. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right. Take care. Thank you. Again, that's uh, Lori Lee. She's the author of a new book in the Rick Riordan Presents imprint. Uh, the book is called Pahua and the Soul Stealer, based on Southeast Asian mythology. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Fashion radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
the Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I'd like to do a uh, song from a Broadway show. The show is Paint Your Wagon, and the song is I Talk to the Trees. the stars, but they never hear me, the breeze hasn't time, the breeze hasn't time, to stop and hear what I hear say, what I, say. I, talk to them all. I talk to them all, in vain, but suddenly my suddenly Stupid song. <laughs> Every time that I that yeah, I hear you sing outside. that song, I think it, boy, what a stupid song. Yeah, you think it, but a, you really pick a fine time to tell me about it. Well, I wanted to surprise you. Oh. Yeah. You succeeded. You surprised me. But for your information, Talk to the Trees is not stupid. It's, it's from a hit Broadway show entitled Paint Your Wagon, which was a great show. A lot of great songs. Paint Your Wagon? <laughs> Yeah. It's a stupid, sounds like a stupid show and a stupid song, and it's a dumb, and anybody connected with a show or a song like that has got to be a stupid, dumb, weirdo freak. All right, I agree with you. The show happens to be about a young man very much like yourself. Maybe I spoke a little hastily. It's about a young man very much like my brother. He's young and shy and bashful, very timid, but he's so much in love. That, that makes everything all right. He was so much in love, it was his first love, but he was so bashful that he was afraid to tell his sweetheart that he loved her and she knew not of his love. But he had to tell someone or something because it, this frustration, this terrible feeling was building up within him. And finally he did a very beautiful thing. He went out did into the Did he tell country. her that he loved her? No. He never did. He wished he could. He wished he had the courage to walk up to her and Take her by the hand and look deeply into her eyes and say very simply and truthfully, I love you. I love you very much. And I only hope that one day you may grow to love me half as much as I love you right now. I will. Because I... <laughs> That's just enough. But he couldn't do that. So one day he went out in the countryside and he tried to communicate with Mother Nature's wise old trees and, and talk to these trees and tell these marvels of nature, these wise old trees of his great love. You guys love, are real nut. <laughs> no, he's not a nut. Sneaking off into the forest to talk to the trees. <laughs> Tommy, that's not what he did. Hi there, Mr. Tree. How are you? How's Mrs. Tree? <laughs> All the little bushes. <laughs> a guy like that would talk to a fire he hydrant. Didn't. Hi there, Firehide. I've just been talking to this big old tree over here. <laughs> Certainly have a lot in common, you two. <laughs> All right, now that is just enough. Tommy, don't you understand at all? Just a second. Hi there, Stage. Used to be a tree, didn't you? 
you are a very shallow, callow individual. You have made fun of this song. You haven't even tried to understand. Who's your fat friend? <laughs> that was to be a trade engine, fatty. <laughs> you leave my base alone. What happens? You hang around with the wrong type of people. Shut up! <laughs> you really should be proud of yourself. Really, you should be very proud of yourself. You stood up here and you ridiculed me. You ridiculed this song. You ridiculed a wonderful show. And, it's, and you think everybody's proud of you out there. You think they're all looking up there and say, oh, why, isn't he a sharp, clever boy? No, they're all staring at you. They're staring and wondering. And you know what you've shown them? You've shown them how crass, how shallow, how unfeeling an individual can be, how totally void of any poetic beauty in your entire makeup, your entire soul. You didn't understand the song? You ridiculed me, and you've come down why a, a you notch or two. That's you, all I've got to say. You, you what? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't care what you do now. You didn't like... Go ahead. You talked, you talked mean to me, and, and you said that I didn't have any sensitivity, and I was a crass, shallow person. I happen to be a person, too, Dickie, and I have sensitivity, and I have feeling, and I have love in my heart. I'm sensitive to every little blade of grass that grows. But I wouldn't talk to him. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Think of lovely things 
And your heart will fly on wings To never, never program, don't you know? 
Come on! Come on, get out of here! <laughs>